This episode of Guitar Radio Show is brought to you in part by... With a unique design and construction, DNA Guitars is a clear choice when looking for the all-around guitar. DNA Guitars' recipe for creating perfect instruments is steeped in tradition while looking toward the future. DNA's recessed bridge construction is a five-point contact bridge, a solid brass bridge that is inset into the body, maximizing strength, contact, and string vibration. An incredibly comfortable guitar to play, DNA Guitars molds to your body, and the neck profiles are wonderful to play across. DNA uses an exclusive 100% solderless wiring harness that is designed for guitars with single-coil or humbucker setup. Looking for versatility? Look no more. Check out DNA Guitars. Go to dnaguitarcompany.com. Custom guitars handcrafted in the USA. DNA Guitars. Innovation to fuel your inspiration. And also by... Hey everybody, Mark David from Guitar Radio Show. Have you heard about LockKnob? LockKnob.com? LockKnob is a revolutionary product invented by a musician for musicians solving the long-time problem of lost settings. How many times have you been at a gig or a session only to have to reset all of your settings on your amp or your pedals because they move during transit? You can upgrade your existing knobs on your amp, pedals, mixer, guitar, almost anything with a pot with an all-aluminum quality made reusable knob that does more than just look pretty. Never lose your settings again. Lock it down with LockKnob. Go to LockKnob.com for more. Welcome to Guitar Radio Show, the show dedicated to the guitar player, guitar maker, gear builder, and purveyors of such items that you may not know about, but should. Here's your host, Mark Davin. Hey, everybody. Welcome to episode 135 of Guitar Radio Show. This is a special edition. Uh, this is a Monday episode. And the reason it is is because we've got the great Guthrie Trap on the show today. And we have an in-depth conversation direct from Nashville, Tennessee, to discuss uh, what he's got coming out, a new record. And he's doing something uh, a little different for him. He is... Uh, he is doing a pledge drive for funding the record. So it's like a GoFundMe thing, but it's uh, through Pledge Music Campaign. So uh, I want you to listen to this interview, and then I want you to go to guthrietrap.com forward slash PM. Or you can, of course, go to Pledge Music Campaign, and uh, you can Google that and then type in uh, Guthrie Trap, and it'll take you right there as well. But guthrietrap.com forward slash PM and uh, you'll also be able to find the link in the show notes here to get there right there and uh, a whole bunch of other links that are Guthrie Trap centric (laughs) Um, what an amazing guitar player and a great guy and a lover of music and tone and uh, you just I think you're going to really dig this conversation this was this was one of those interviews that for me was effortless for me because you know we started we i asked him one question and then it just turned into this conversation and that's what i really love and that's what i love when i get to talk to people like guthrie and people like gary hoey and people like chris duarte and paul nelson and and lance lopez it's not you know and mark ford it's not uh it's not a a 
I'm going to ask you a question, and here's your, and now you give me an answer. No, it's something very different. It's a conversation, and that's what I love about doing this, because um, these are people that really dig what they do, and that's what I look for: passion, passion. And uh, Guthrie Trap is incredibly passionate about what he does, and it's and it's fantastic. Um, so you're gonna, we're going to have that in just a second. I'll play you a snip from, snippet from his last record, which was called uh, Pick Piece. And uh, it's a great disc. I love it. It's one of my one of my go to discs for sure. Um, also, want to remind you guitarradioshow.com. And I also want to remind you at guitarradioshow.com, you can see Scott Gaylor's latest tips, tricks, and licks video. It's number five. And uh, it's really great. And it's a, it's a cool B minor blues uh, lick that uh, I had mentioned this before. It helps with your dexterity, but it also it's also a great addition to your vocabulary as well. Um, you know, you're playing vocabulary. So uh, go to scottgaylor.com for more on Scott. Great guitar player. He should be with somebody. He should be, he should be a sideman for somebody right now. So y'all, you need to check him out. He's great. Uh, this week, uh, we're going to have, of course, our Wednesday episode, and it'll be with the Paul Nelson Band. And uh, he's got a new record out. It's called Badass Generation. And i got to tell you, that record... Uh, along with a whole bunch of other records, has really shaped up my summer, man. I mean, it's like an uh, iPod Nirvana. It's just fantastic. And I don't mean the band, okay? Um, It's just joyous. Uh, The Badass Generation record is really rounding out my summer. Uh, The Supersonic Blues Machine with Lance Lopez and all those other folks. uh, And um, the Chris Duarte fan club disc. The new light bulb vaporizer just came out. Go to bandcamp.com and type in light bulb vaporizer and check out these cats. Their last record had a song called Timing My High. So can you dig it? Okay, now you know what I'm talking about. Great band. Everything they do is um, completely organic. It is uh, stream of consciousness music that they, that they create. I love them. They're great. And of course, of course, the topper on all my albums this summer is the new Jeff Beck record uh, Loud Hailer it is amazing look for uh, my blog on my blog review of this record coming up this is a guy I've been into since I was you know just starting out and uh, it's he never ceases to amaze me he's just always pushing the limits and now uh, this I think is really his finest record. I know you know everybody says that with every record that comes out, but really this is just amazing. Uh, I want to let you know real quick before we get into this what we've got coming up in the next few weeks. Here it is in my hot little hands. Oh my God! And not not in this particular order, but we've got Gary Hoey, Mike Varney, Mike. Uh, my, you know who Mike Varney is. Mike Varney from Shrapnel Records. Um, Michael Melinda from Guitar Player Magazine, the editor in chief. Uh, we've got the Balkan Brothers. Bloom and Tritt Amplification. Uh, this is going to be a great interview. Wait till you hear that. Uh, Ron Bumblefoot Thal. Uh, Dan Erlewine. Uh, let's see who else we got here. Dan Boole from 65 Amps. What a great conversation that was. Samantha Fish, Diana Rain, and Jason Lawler, just to name a few. Okay, just there you go. Just to name a few, just to name a few. Can you tell I'm excited? I'm really excited about this. Let me play a little snippet from from uh, Guthrie's last record. But don't forget, 
that pledge music campaign that he's got going on. There's only six days left. It's Monday. I think there's only six days left for this thing. So go to guthrietrap.com forward slash PM. Help a brother out. Stay all saying? Okay. Here we go. Check it out. Guitar Radio Show. GuitarRadioShow.com. This is a guy that, in many respects, has been on my radar for about, oh, I don't know, about eight years or so. And, uh, you know, some people like to say that, uh, I've heard people say that he's sort of Nashville's best kept secret, but he's one of the busiest working guys in Nashville. We have uh, Mr. Guthrie Trapp on the show. How are you, Guthrie? I'm doing great. Good morning to you. Thanks for having me on. Thanks for being here. I appreciate it. And, um, Absolutely. You know, I know that you're working on a new record right now, and uh, where are you at with that at this point? Well, uh, last week I cut nine tracks over at Sound Emporium uh, in the A-Room, which is over on Belmont Avenue, mm-hmm. um, on Belmont Boulevard, rather, and that's the old, uh, just to give you a little history about that studio, that's Cowboy Jack Clement's old studio. Here mm-hmm. He sold it to Garth Fundus, and then he sold it again, right. but the rooms, the rooms remained intact, and... Um, just a, it's a magic room in there, man. I mean, there's been a million things cut over there. All the old brother walked down soundtrack and, mm-hmm. and uh, the Robert Plant, Allison Krauss records, and all that kind of stuff. I mean, just a million amazing records have been cut in that room. So it's an inspiring place to record. Uh, booked four days over there, uh, July sixth, seventh, eighth, and ninth, and I, I did uh, nine songs, and they, they came out great. I'm, I'm extremely happy with everything. We did uh, two acoustic songs. I played mandolin and acoustic guitar, some stuff, and then um, and then a bunch of electric stuff, some trio um, instrumentals, and then I had some guest vocalists on those sessions. And uh, I'm getting ready to cut uh, some more stuff. I've got some more tracks to cut, so uh, I would say I'm about halfway, maybe a little bit more than halfway done mm-hmm. with the tracking. And then, of course, you know, we got to mix and master and, and all that stuff. So. Uh, I'm, I'm, but I'm, I'm happy with the progress, and, and um, you know, there's a big chunk of it that's, that's in the can, and then ready to cut these other tracks coming up. So that's pretty amazing that you did nine tracks in a day. But I guess that's kind of you're kind of used to that type of thing, getting in there like a like a command, well, like a commando. I, you blow up the bridge and get out, right? Well, I didn't. I didn't get nine songs in one day. I, I like I said. I'm, no, I mean in a week. Booked, in, a, in a week. Yeah, I booked four days over there. So yeah. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, you know, it was a nice schedule. I think we did, you know, one day we did two songs, one day we did three, one day we got four, you know, so, uh, let's see, I don't know what that, what, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, 
Uh, yeah, yeah, that's kind of how that schedule works. But uh, that's a pretty lax schedule, you know. I mean, you, you know, we we can do easily, we can easily do eight songs in a day here or something like that. But then you're kind of you're kind of rushing through them a little bit, so it's nice to have time to kind of really get into it. If you're doing a record, you, you know, it's nice to have that kind of schedule. Yeah. Well, you know, yeah. you you were saying earlier about um, how, how the studio has basically like this mojo to it. You know, there's there's got to be tons of places like that in Nashville that are like that, right? Well, there, there are. There, there's a few places that are that are special. I mean, you know, uh, Sound Emporium is definitely one of them. But there's a lot of studios that are just they're great studios, but they don't they don't. There's not necessarily like the history and stuff there. You know, the the ones that have the history are the ones that are really cool, like. You know, RCA and mm-hmm. Ellen Music Row. I mean, it's a, it's a legendary. You know, Ben Folds had that studio for a long time, rented it down there. We did tons of sessions. Now Dave Cobb, to, you know, producing, you know, Chris Stapleton and all those guys. He's got the studio now. And, and you know, people don't go in and change anything. They leave it the way it is. Because mm-hmm. there's, I mean, Tony Bennett recorded there. Elvis recorded there, you know. Mm-hmm. So there's just a lot of, the ones with the history are the ones with the, with the greatest vibe you know mm-hmm, yeah for sure and when, you, and when we talk about when we talk about vibe i'm always curious to know how much of like when you're when you're doing something of your own like this how much of how much of your composition slash playing also is from is cerebral and how much of it is emotional is there a is there a cutting off point there for you or I think what you're playing at the time I mean you know if you go in and like some of the stuff I have worked out you know when you where you go in and, and I mean you have to have an idea of what material you're going to cut when you go in the studio or you're just wasting a ton of time but I also don't like you know to have everything so mapped out before I go in that you kill the creative process or or unless, or like a tight budget or a stringent uh, you know like a schedule to where you go in and you go oh, I've got to get these Mm-hmm. I've got to get these eight songs in one day mm-hmm. or else we're going to, it's like, no, you know, give yourself time to go in, book a couple extra days for overdubs and some fixes or whatever you need to do. And then go in and let stuff happen. Like, you know, I, I went in one day at the studio. I had, I, I knew what I wanted to do in the evening with the guest vocalist I had set up and everything. You know, we had a full blown band with six singers and some different stuff. We did like a gospel track, but before that, on the first half of the day, I booked a couple guys and uh, that I play with all the time, but we didn't know what, exactly what we were going to do. I just said, hey, you know what? I got an idea. You know, let's cut this. And we did, and it turned out to be one of my favorite things we cut because we just, we let it happen where it was a little, yeah. we, went into, we went into a little section at the end that was different, and it turned out to be one of my favorite little pieces of music that we recorded, you know? Mm-hmm. So yeah. you can't. You, you, you can easily overthink music to the point of killing it. I see it here all the time. Mm-hmm. But you also, you have to be um, organized to a point to where you, you go in and it's not chaotic and you're wasting time and money. So, mm-hmm. yeah, it's a, fine, it's a fine balance and that's just something that you hopefully, you know, you have the knack to be able to do, you know? Yeah. So did you have to, did you have to say, you know, because I know your your phone's pretty much ringing all the time as far as sessions and everything else. Did you have to kind of say, okay, I'm going to sneak these sessions in in between other gigs, or did you say I'm going to block out this time and let the phone ring? Yeah, when you do a record, you just you block out the time and you don't book anything there. I mean, you know, you, you just you pick four or five days and 
and you block it out, and then you start, you know, you start making phone calls and see who's available for what, and then you start, you start doing the the, the, the puzzle juggle, you know, to try to fit everybody in. So, you know, you might be able to get, you might be able to get the base player you want on one session, but you can't get the one you want on the other. So you're moving stuff around, and mm-hmm. luckily this was kind of like, uh, you know, I, I threw some of this stuff together pretty last minute, but. And that's the other thing, you know, you let you let the uh, creative process kind of take over at that point, you know, because you don't want to force anything. So whoever can, if you can't get the guys you want at that time, you know, move it around and book it when you can do it, you know? Yeah, for sure. So it, I um, guess... It's, it's good to be flexible. It's, it's good to be flexible. Yeah. And, and otherwise you're, you're cramping stuff sometimes. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I, and I guess in some respects, Nashville is one of the last places where people are actually... In showing up for sessions in the flesh as opposed to flying it in. Yeah, I think so. I mean, yeah, I, know, I know guys still record with bands. I mean, if James Taylor or Paul Simon does a record, you know, they're going to have bands and musicians in the studio, you know. So, um, but yeah, Nashville is one of the last places where daily there's there's hundreds of guys uh, around town that are doing sessions, you know. Mm-hmm. Well, I'll say hundreds, maybe there's a hundred, you know. Yeah. But, but um, yeah, it's one of the last places where people are still going in and cutting uh, with with full rhythm sections and and everything going down live, which is the beauty of it, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And these guys are good, man. You know. Oh yeah, they sure are. <laughs> these guys are real players. I mean, they'll scare you how good they are. Yeah. In the studio. You know? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, musicianship. It's interesting to hear you say something like that because I I, I don't I can't imagine someone like you getting intimidated by another player. Yeah, it's interesting. It's, it's, it seems to me that there's a different vibe from how I remember L.A. being in the 60s, 70s, 80s, and 90s when there was still session yeah. work there. It's got a different yeah, feel. Pretty, yeah, it's got a, it's, it does. It has a different feel. Yeah. Do, you have a ti- yeah. Do you have a title for the record yet? You know, I, I'm not sure yet. I'm, I'm not, I'm not going to say... Uh, yes, because uh, I'm still throwing around a couple ideas. You know, mm-hmm. I'm trying to, I'm trying to find something that that really kind of fits and 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 kind of you know the the, the concept that kind of fell together on this record was taking um, going back and, and I'm doing some original music on this record that's that's current, but I'm going back and, and uh, channeling some of the music that influenced me when I was a kid and some of the stuff that I was listening to growing up. Um, so I'm kind of going in some different directions on this record, but it's going to be it's going to be really good. I'm already proud of it, and it's, it's not even finished yet. So, um, and a bunch of guest vocalists, which are going to be there's going to be some really really great surprises on there. That's uh, cool. That's cool. Out. Yeah, but but yeah, it's great. And you know, I'm doing something different on this record. I'm running a pledge music campaign to help fund mm-hmm. it. You know, mm-hmm. and because I've developed some fans on social media, whatever I thought I'd try it. 
and um, that's going well. There's only about 13 days left to pledge on that, so if you feel inspired and want to check out that link, that's cuffytrap.com uh, forward slash forward slash um, PM for Pledge Music, and then you can find that on all my social media, you know, Facebook pages and Instagram and Twitter and all that, as well as my website, cuffytrap.com. So, you know, I'm, I'm promoting that, and um, we're it's going well but we got a long way to go in these next two weeks so they say people play until towards the last minute I'm hoping they do because we're at about 40% and so we've got a little bit of a ways to go I hope it works out but um, there's some interesting incentives and stuff on there so check that out if you can but um, you know other than that that, that that is a major project going on right now of course the record and, and the campaign for that but uh, also you know some other things that have that have happened in the in the past couple of years. I'm not touring as much as I used to. I'm not I'm not supporting other artists on tour uh, as as a sideman. I've kind of gotten out of doing that for a while, and uh, you know have been doing sessions. And we came up with the signature model pedal from Rocket Pedals, hmm. the radio show at Acme that I host, the live performance show that I uh, host, and I'm part ownership at Acme downtown in Nashville. And then, you know, this online lesson school with Artist Works and yeah. another big project that I'm working in, uh, working on right now that I can't really talk about uh, until it gets uh, a couple of stages further on. But there's just a lot of stuff going on. I want to do more of, uh, uh, you know, my, my own stuff. on. If I tour, I want to do it under my own name and with my own band, you know? Mm-hmm. So that's been a little bit of a transition in the past couple of years. I've been doing some stuff like that, but mainly staying in Nashville and just cultivating these projects and seeing them, you know, to fruition. And, and um, you know, it keeps me from getting bored and burned out on just one thing, like one touring gig or one or all sessions or all touring or all this or all that. I like to do, it's fun to have branched out into about, you know, seven or so different areas. And it's, it's, it keeps me inspired every day to kind of keep all of them moving forward, you know? Yeah, for sure. And, you know, it's interesting, yeah. too, because you, you, you have that ability. I mean, because you're a session player, you have to turn on a dime. And I did, I did very, I had a short stint of 10 years of doing session work. Uh-huh. And every day when you showed up, you didn't know what you were going to walk into most of the time. Absolutely. Yeah, and and one day you'd walk in and go, all right, it's going to be jazz, and here's here's the here's the music, and let's do this. Yeah, you know. Or sometimes I'd show up and they'd be like, can you create something here? Yeah. And I'd be like, okay. Yeah, right. <laughs> so you know yeah, that. That's the fun part. You know, that's the most fun sessions for me is when the producer's not telling you exactly what to do. You yeah. Know? To me, the best producers in Nashville are just letting letting basically the musicians produce the records they just know it's like casting is the most important part right like um, you know you gotta know who to call for what project and that's the beauty of being here for almost 15 years you know I've produced a couple little things that that I'm proud of but I'm not like a producer I'm not like a you know make my living producing records but it's something I love to do and I'll be doing more of it but you know knowing who to call for what project or, or, or even what song if if you have that luxury to be able to call different you know if you have a big budget and you can call a different band for you could call a different band for each song if you want to you know mm-hmm. so just knowing who to call for the right stuff is, is kind of the knack you know mm-hmm. and then and then get out of the way and let them make music if you call if you call great players you're not going to have to to tell them much you know you, you basically play the song and they know instinctively what they're going to do is amazing 
amazing. And if you if you try to tell them to, if you try to give them a direction to go in, it's against their instincts. You're 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 going to get ten percent of what they can do. Mm-hmm. You know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you can't. You, people that are creative, man, you got to let them do their thing. You, you can't. You almost have to get what they what they do a couple times, and then. Um, you know, if you need to change something, you can do it after the fact in Pro Tools or something. But you know, just get let them do what they do. Give get them three or four times down, and then you know, if you don't have something great by then, then you're you probably called the wrong person for that project. You yeah, know? yeah. But I agree with you. The the idea of allow, allowing them to come in and and you know, if 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 it's kind of like okay, we're just going to see what happens and, and create an organic thing here. It, it yeah. Can, let's, Unless you know exactly what you want and you have a written part out or something that you know, I mean, that's a different story. But, you know, as far as, like, singer-songwriter stuff, if, you know, to let a band just come in and accompany some somebody on a song, if, you know, just let them play what they want to play and see, see what they come up with. Because chances are, like I said, it's all about calling the right guys. So if you call the right guys, you're going to get some amazing stuff, you know? Yeah. It's funny. I was, And, 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 and you're going to get some stuff you don't expect. You know? Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah for yeah. sure. Yeah, because that that can be gold. Absolutely. Yeah. 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 Um, have there been many times where you went in and they did and you did something like that, and then you know through through the whole magic of Pro Tools, which I you know I kind of you know wobble back and forth between it. Um, the idea of when when you go in there, you did something, and maybe you did a few runs of it. And they took it, they chopped it up and split, put it together. Does that does that type of thing bother you from a creative standpoint, or are you just kind of like, well, I was in there to do the job, and that's that? Yeah, yeah. If you're if you're recording for something else, for somebody else, basically, you know, you do the best job you can, and then if you're happy with what you played, and and and, and more importantly, if they're happy with what you played, yeah. then you're good, and you move on to the next song or the next day or whatever but you know they can do they're paying you to come in and do and do something so in the end they can do whatever they want with it Pro Tools if they want to if they want to take a lick I play it one time and loop it for you know two minutes then that's their call they can do that yeah, you know yeah. um, I mean I have seen you know things that get edited down and, and, and fixed to the point of being where everything's perfect it can suck the soul right out of it you know yeah, yeah. So you gotta be you gotta be smart enough to kind of uh, you know know what what's good and and what and what needs to be fixed to make it better, but not not to fix everything you know perfectly lined up on the grid. And I mean, unless you're doing loops and stuff like that, then yeah, all that stuff has to be to a grid and lined up. But you can you can fix and edit a song right down to where it just has no feel and no personality whatsoever. You know. Mm-hmm. But the magic of Pro Tools to me is the fact that, you know, you can, uh, you know, if, if you're doing a, a live um, uh, tape with a band and, and you got and you got a great take, except everybody flubbed the ending, we just punch in and the band plays it and, and, and it's, it sounds it sounds organic. And like with, with what I was doing the other day, you know, we did a song and we ended up kind of jamming uh, free form at the end of this song over pretty much kind of two chord band. and uh, but it's it's a very cool body part and it went on a little too long for me at the end I was like you know we could cut this thing down by about a minute mm-hmm. and what we did was me and the engineer sat there and we just we took a section out 
and then we took another section out and we 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 moved it and we lined up the drums and it was perfect. It feels nobody will ever be able to tell that we comped that part on that on that record. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, I mean, they just they won't because if you do it right and you got a great engineer and and you pick the right parts and it feels right, then it's it's really just moving some stuff around. It's not you're not you're not changing the whole song, you know. Right, and it still feels good. And it still feels fantastic. I mean, if it didn't, we wouldn't do it. Right. You know. Right. It would just be that. That would be the end of it. But you know, that kind of stuff, I think it's cool. Yeah. No, I hear you. That that makes sense. How do you? I mean, yeah. getting back to this new record, which I'm really excited about, because how do you, how, how do you think your your playing has changed or matured since uh, Pick Piece? So I, I imagine that, you know, because you play so much, there's really not, there's not really a need or time or inkling to say, oh, I'm going to practice. Well, people ask me that all the time about practicing, and I, I don't, I've never had a, I've never had a practice regimen that I've stuck to. I mean, there, I don't get up at 8 o'clock and go, okay, I'm going to practice from 9 p.m. or 9 a.m. till... 2 p.m. You know, I just don't do that. I mean, you know, life takes over and you got to deal with, you know, you know, um, owning a house and, and mm-hmm. just all your life, day-to-day stuff, mainly promoting your career more than anything now with all these projects I've got going on, trying to promote those. But, you know, so life kind of takes over. But uh, if, when I do sit down and play the guitar by myself, I usually either play acoustic uh, or I'll plug in an electric and put a small amp like a Princeton reverb, turn up, turn, put some nice reverb on it. And I never play loud at home. I mean, I've got a workshop next door that's really nice, so I've got a bunch of gear set up over there. But I never play loud. I always just turn the amp on just enough to get to where I can hear it and a little reverb. And I'll just sit there and start playing. And then usually what will happen is uh, song ideas will come out. Yeah. Of there. And then yeah. I'll, end up, I'll end up recording those to like my iPhone or something. Mm-hmm. And you know, then I've got little song ideas and stuff. But as far as practicing, I mean, I, it usually, you know, if you want a, a new lick or something, you can use it that night on the gig. 
know, so. Right. But I don't really, I, there's no real, I would say it's more sitting down and playing versus mm-hmm. practicing and, and, and uh, more of coming up with new ideas and stuff than it is kind of working on like my diminished scales or something, you know. Right. That really, that really resonates with me because here I am, I'm sitting in a studio with amps all over the place, guitars all over the place, and when I'm looking to just play, I won't go ahead and plug in one of the larger amps or anything like that. I'll go over to yeah. I'll go over to my cube and plug into that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and just go for a little sweet reverb, just wet it up a little bit and just play yeah. just so I can hear it. And you just yeah, just like you said. It makes so much sense. Yeah, well, the last thing you want to do is if you're not playing on a on a stage or or something is the last thing I want to do is sit in front of a loud guitar amp and listen to myself play, you know. Mm-hmm. I would rather, it's so much nicer to just play on a small little lamp and, 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 and then, I'm, then it's inspiring and your ears aren't getting fatigued and, you know, it's just, it's more subtle to me, you know? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, I was sitting with um, uh, Johnny Hyland recently. He and I were sitting uh-huh. having a conversation and he was telling me how much he, he is, he, you inspire him. And, uh, oh, wow. And uh, it, uh, I've seen some t- some stuff with you two playing together. What's uh, what's that like as far as dynamics when you when you play with somebody like that? Is it uh, well? You know, I've got a chance to play with a bunch of a bunch of guys in town here that are kind of my heroes, like uh, especially Jack Pearson and Pat Ferguson, mm-hmm. two of my favorites. But um, you know, when you play with another guitar player or, or two or three guitar players on stage, if you ever find yourself in that situation, I, I don't like, I, don't, I really don't like being in those situations where there's more than two guitar players on stage at one time. Yeah. Because this is what can happen. If it's not the right guys, it, it turns into a battle. Mm-hmm. You know? And it can easily turn into a battle of volume and, and, and people are playing. If I'm on stage with, with more than two guitar players at one time, I'll take both my hands off the, off the strings and I won't play. I'll turn the guitar volume down and I won't play anything. Right. Unless somebody wants me to solo and then I'll solo and then that's it. I'm going back to to not playing anything because what's the point of, are you really making music when there's three guitar players on stage mm-hmm. playing at the same time? I mean, and here's the thing, if, if you're not, it can work if everybody is playing a specific part. Like if I'm, if I'm playing like a single note funk rhythm line with a wah-wah pedal or something and the other guy's playing like a a nine chord and doing some chinks like you know some uh, some rhythm stabs or something and then the other guy's maybe playing you know like a solo or something or whatever he's doing but if you have something worked out like that it can be beautiful but if it's not and it just turns into a wall of sound and it's, and it's three guys playing and one of them's always turning his amp up to be louder than the next guy I mean I'll, I'll walk off the stage it, it, that's a disaster and a nightmare to me because yeah. it's just unmusical it takes the musical element completely out of it mm-hmm. but if you're on stage with, with a, a guy that's conscious of, of, of hearing music and, and feeling and hearing what's going on on the stage at that moment then he's going to be sensitive to the dynamics and supporting more than just you know jamming out or whatever however you want to put it mm-hmm. so those those uh, those experiences can be great if two, if two guys 
are not looking at it as like a guitar duel or like a battle and they can play supportive parts and like more than just soloing back and forth I mean come up with a come up with a little part or something together and if two guys are listening and they're great players then they're going to be able to to come up with some really cool stuff like that you know yeah for sure well, that's kind of how I look at it. I mean, it, it, it can it can go one of two, you know it can go two different ways. It can be either very musical or it can be kind of a, a kind of a disaster, you know. Yeah, no, I've seen plenty of that where it's like it's a cacophony, and you're just like, all right, yeah. I got to get out of this room. I can't even. I mean, as an as an as a listener, it's like I can't. I got to yeah, get out can, of this room. Yeah, it can become a little bit of a NAM show performance. Yeah, know? yeah, and yeah. that's just something that. I think that yeah, you know, you evolve out of that as your as your musicality and your ears develop. You know. Yeah, and I and I think that people are becoming less. I mean, less impressed with that. Yeah. Oh well. Yeah. People want to hear songs. I mean, that's why I put vocals on this next record because I want to hear some. I want to hear some people singing and be able to back up a great singer versus just a bunch of instrumental guitar music. I mean, the guys that do it, the. You know, and the instrumentals that I've got on this record will be—they'll be people will love them. I mean, there's there's a couple great melodies on there, I think. But um, you know, to, to do a whole record, unless you're John Schofield or somebody like that, then it's not easy, man. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, the the tracks on on Pick Piece though are so musical that oh, you don't you don't miss a vocalist because the because that the melodies are there so that's that's the sign of, of good instrumental music having know? a melody is is, is, a, is a wonderful thing I mean I, I refuse to go in the studio and record a, a three chord train beat song on with Telecaster that just has a lick for the riff mm-hmm. you know yeah I mean there's there's got to be a melody somewhere or, or, or like I recorded a Okay, well, with that being said, I did record a boogaloo uh, with B3 organ, drum space, and guitar. And the, and the riff, the head of the song is a little bit of a, is a, is a, little bit of a riff kind of thing. But it, it, it's a melody. So, I mean, it works. But, you know, I'm just, I, I refuse to ever go in the studio and record like a, a three-chord chicken-picking train beat song that just has a, a lick as the melody. Mm-hmm. Because, and that just, it's just been done it's just been done so many times yeah. you know yeah. it's like going in, it's like going in and recording a, a blues shuffle with no real parts you know it's just it's been done and, and why do that again mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. so, yeah, and that's that's an interesting thing you know having said that it's been done what's your yeah. impre- what's your impression about you know sometimes sometimes and all all genres of, of guitar music or guitar Influence music can be yeah. can be incestuous in nature. No, absolutely. What what yeah. uh, what what do you think is you know what do you think could break that cycle? <laughs> do you think it's going to be a person? Do you think it's going to be a music? Do you you know? Well, I think it's just it, it's I think it's writing it's writing a song. You know that 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 something it's writing a song on your instrument that that's not. That, that hasn't been done before and, and not really going into it thinking like oh I'm going to write something that hasn't been done before it's really just coming up with something that's that's your personality that's you yeah. you know write come up with something that is that is that is just you sitting in a room playing your guitar you know it's, it could be a rhythm it could be a riff 
it can be a melody, a groove, whatever. But that I think that's that's kind of like you know that's what you kind of have to do to, to do something different because yeah, so many things have been done before on the guitar. I mm-hmm. mean, so many songs have been you know there's been a lot of songs written. There's been a lot of guitar played in the past. 80 years or however long it's been going on but for the electric guitar but I mean it's hard to come up with something that doesn't sound like everybody else so you know I've been lucky to be able to kind of channel some influences of some different music and kind of come up with some sort of style or whatever you want to call it that kind of blends a bunch of different stuff together but Mm -hmm. you know if you just try to sound like Stevie Ray Vaughan you're just going to sound like Stevie Ray Vaughan Mm -hmm. or a bad version of or a bad version of it if you just want if you just want to sound like John Schofield then you're just going to sound like John Schofield mm-hmm. and who wants to hear somebody sound like John Schofield when they can go sound like when they can go listen to John Schofield right, right. you know so I mean I love those those guys but I, I don't really want to sound just like them because they're already doing that way better absolutely so why not absolutely. so why not take all your influences you know you've got you know we're all going to agree on certain guitar players that we love we're going to love B.B. King we're going to love you know Hendrix, there's a, you know David Gilmore, Jimmy Page. There's a, there's a list of about five guys that almost everybody in the world as guitar players are going to agree, agree upon that they really like. Mm-hmm. And then from and then from there, you know, but if you just stick with those, you're going to sound like everybody else because those are everybody's favorites. Mm-hmm. So if you, if you trickle down from there and go, okay, I love those guys, but then I also love. African music and I also love bluegrass and I also love mm-hmm. Cuban music mm-hmm. or I love Irish fiddle tunes or or you know whatever you're gonna you're gonna if, if you start going down like that from there every each individual person and player they're gonna have different influences that start setting them apart from all those guys at the top like a family tree almost you know right Right. So as you as you as you start being influenced by other stuff that, that that gets farther and farther from the common core of influences, then you really start sounding like yourself. Like you know, I love listening to Cuban music and I love bluegrass, but you know, this other guitar player over here, he might just love rock and roll, and he's a Jimmy Page fanatic, and he mm-hmm. doesn't like uh, world music or acoustic music or anything like that. So. I'm going to have a completely different set of influences than he does. I'm going to sound completely different. Mm-hmm. So I try to tell young people, you know, try to listen to as many different kinds of music that you like and steal from that, no matter what instrument it is, even if it's just the rhythm, because that's going to make you a better musician and it's going to help you create your single artistic voice, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So I mean, that's kind of how I look at it, you know? Yeah, it's, sort of, it's a buffet table. Yeah, 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 and the farther the farther you get away from from stuff, if you enjoy it, the better because you're you're channeling influences that other people aren't, and they're channeling influences that that, that you're not, you know. Mm-hmm. So that's why everybody, you know, hopefully everybody develops their own voice and sounds different, you know. Mm-hmm, absolutely. What I'm waiting for is for someone to tap into the. For, for guitar to tap into the breath element to emulate the breath element of a of a horn or a woodwind and you know have that kind of cross over 
That would be well. There's been, there's been a bunch of guitar players that have that have played saxophone licks forever. That's where bebop came from. Right. You know, but I don't know how on a, on a string that's attacked with a pick or a finger. I don't know how you would get the breath element in there. Yeah, I know Pat Metheny's. You know, he's experimented with that with the synclavier and stuff like that, but... Yeah, if you hooked it up to a synth or something, you'd be able to get that. Mm. Man, like did that too a little bit, but yeah, I mean, anything like that, you know, anything you can do to sound different, you yeah. know, it's... Yeah, you know. for sure. What What was the impetus for you to pick up the instrument in the first place? Well, my family, my mom and dad uh, were, were huge um, music fans. Neither one of them play an instrument, but, but they... Um, they listened to a really broad range of music and then and then um, you know I wasn't raised on the radio or, or anything like that not a lot of pop music at all I wasn't raised on the Beatles or Led Zeppelin or anything like that it was more you know off the beaten path kind of folk bluegrass you know old blues um, stuff like that a lot of new acoustic music Tony Rice Sam Bush Bela Fleck all those guys mm. Mark O'Connor different guys like that and oh, then yeah. And then at the same time, my uncles, you know, that I grew up around, they were listening to John McPonty and jazz and and Stanley Jordan and all these guys. And and, uh, and then, uh, you know, my other uncle that was actually a musician, he was a self-taught multi-instrumentalist and singer. You know, he had a huge record collection of, I mean, all kinds of stuff from acoustic music to like, you know, like all the bluegrass and new acoustic stuff, Tony Rice and then, you know, Leonard Skinner records, the Allman Brothers, some Southern rock and blues stuff, and then Johnny Winter, Muddy Waters, um, you know, some Eric Clapton, you know, just, I mean, a lot of, you know, Paul Butterfield, Blues Band, Better Days, and all that mm-hmm. stuff. I mean, so there was a lot of, you know, a lot of um, kind of a cross-section of really roots music and and not much pop music at all. I didn't ever learn how to play pop music, you know? Mm-hmm. So, but then, you know, with, with those, with those influences and going to all these parties down there when I was a kid, you know, I never had a babysitter. We were, my parents always took me to the picking parties where we'd have, dead people have these parties and there'd be 30 people playing music, you know, and that's what the whole thing revolved around. So, mm. you know, I had, I just kind of got a feeling of what things were supposed to feel and sound like from a young age. I think that's a huge part of it, you know? Mm-hmm. So I started picking up instruments when I was, maybe around seven or eight, you know, maybe seven. And then uh, from then just kind of picked it up, kind of, it kind of came pretty naturally, you know. I didn't have to really struggle with learning a whole lot because I got into it so young, you know. Right, so it was osmosis for you. Kind of was osmosis, yeah. And then, you know, I had a lot of tips from people all over the place and I took a few lessons here and there, but they never really stuck. But uh, the most, I'd say the most, um, progress as far as learning as a young kid was being around all that music and then also having some videos that I watched uh, like instructional videos really helped out down there on the Gulf Coast because I didn't have there, there were great players down there but but to, to, to put on like a Tony Rice video or Pat Flynn and have somebody tell you like man you really need to learn your chord shapes all the way up the neck I mean that was like that changed my whole life you know mm-hmm. and then certain records listening to Danny Gatton and and work you can and play the Telecaster and things like that. I mean, that kind of changes changes the way you look at the instrument, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and Danny Gatton, Danny Gatton was the first person that I, that I heard 
that made it okay made it okay to to put all those different styles in the one solo mm-hmm. you know and that's kind of like when I heard that I was like man that's what I want to do I want to I want to take all everything that I love and put it into one solo mm-hmm. you know and he did that so it's it, pretty cool in my, in my eyes yeah and he was he was sort of like the um, he was sort of the guy that would do. Uh, the song within the song. The solo was like the song within the song. Yeah, you know? yeah. It was just cool. He would go. He would go from jazz to blues, to blues to country to rock yeah. to Latin to to bebop to whatever. He'd do it all in, in one song or at least on one record. You know. Yeah, and I love the stuff he did with Robert Gordon, which is just ridiculously good. Yeah. Oh my god. Oh, absolutely, man. Mm. Yeah, I love that stuff. You know, you mentioned Marco. Con- you mentioned Marco Connor before. And there's yeah. a there's a guy a lot of folks don't know about, and I got turned on to him when he was with the Dregs. Oh yeah, and that was crazy. Oh yeah, he's a monster. He is. I just saw him at the I'm on, I just saw him at the station in not too long ago here in Nashville, and he's with his family band. Who I know his son Forrest a little bit, and and talked to him for a minute. But you know his his family band, the O'Connor family band. I mean, and he took about three or four or five just unbelievable fiddle solos to where you just you get chills because he's yeah. just such a monster man. yeah yeah he's a total monster and can play guitar and mandolin and everything yeah I mean his, his guitar work is, is phenomenal too I mean just amazing amazing um, unbelievable that, that record Strength in Numbers is really really good with, yeah. with him and Sam Bush and Jerry Douglas and yeah. all those guys yeah and that's interesting you know that you, you cited him as an influence because I can I can I can understand how that how that would be because you're you're in that to me you're kind of in that same vein of that you're you're uh, in some respects it's like oh there's no boundaries here we're gonna right. we're gonna take it wherever it's got to go we're gonna take it there. Well, thanks for saying that. I mean, that's part of the fun of, of music to be is is let's take it somewhere, you know. Right. Let's not just if if the song is conducive to to taking it to another level, then let's do it, you know. Yeah. Well, I'll tell you, I'm excited for this record. I can't wait. And do you have a release date, or you're still not sure yet? No, I don't, because that's another thing. I didn't want to. I didn't want to, you know, hinder the 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 uh, opportunity or possibility to get you know some tracks that, that kind of fell into place at the last minute now with that being said that did happen I mean uh, you know I had somebody stop by the studio I'm not going to say who it is it'll be a great surprise on this record but you know somebody stopped by the studio when we were cutting and they, they said they said uh, well hey man you didn't ask me to sing on this record and I thought well absolutely let's do something you know with somebody that that's, everybody knows that you guys will see on the record but but when you know they came by, I said, "Yeah, man, let's do something." So we ended up booking a last-minute session mm-hmm. towards the end of the month, and it's going to be uh, this one person that I won't mention, and then this other person that I won't mention. <laughs> it's going to be the three of us, and it's it, it was a fantastic surprise, man. So it's going to be awesome. But well, if you give yourself a if you give yourself a budget, yeah. and if you give yourself a time frame, then you're you're eliminating all the possibilities. Of stuff that just happened yeah like, you're kind of you're, you're, you're stifling it yeah. a little bit as far as I'm concerned yeah. I understand people that say okay I've got 10 grand and I'm going to make a record with 10 grand well you can do that but you might find yourself going you know oh man I'd love to get I'd love to get 
so-and-so to play on this record or I'd love to get so-and-so to sing on this record, but I just, I'm at my budget and I can't, I can't do another $500. That's like, man, yeah. find that $500. Oh, absolutely. That on that record, yeah, don't, you know? don't paint yourself into a corner. <laughs> yeah, don't paint yourself into a corner. I mean, I, I just, I just go, okay, I'm going to spend the money and maybe, you know, the Fed music campaign will help out a little bit or whatever, but I'm like, I'm making this record and I'm not going to, I'm going to, I'm not going to, you know, cap it off and go, okay, I'm at my 15 grand mark. Yeah. I'm not going to, yeah. I'm not going to get, you know, so-and-so to play on the record. Yeah. I mean, I'm going to do it and, and I just don't look at it like that, you yeah. know? I hear you. When you were saying, when you were, when you were saying, uh, who, who, you know, you weren't going to say who it was and everything else, and you were kind of explaining about that individual saying that they were, they, you know, hey, you didn't ask me to sing on the record. I got a big smile on my face because I got a feeling I know who it is. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah, but I ain't gonna say nothing. Yeah, yeah. yeah well, you'll, you can find out and let me know. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, it's gonna be exciting, man. I'm really excited about this record. It's just, I mean, the stuff. I never go into the studio with a record in mind going, okay, this is my, this is the sound I want. This is, I know I want, I, want, I know what I want it to sound like. Yeah. You know, I'll go in and go, okay, this is my concept for this record. This is going to be a so-and-so record. Like, no, I just find some tunes that I, that I want to cut. Mm-hmm. I go in there mm-hmm. and, and whatever we get is what it is. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And it, it's going to be good if you call those guys and, mm-hmm. and, and you just go in and, and you let it happen. And then that way you get like, I mean, you know, I went in, they played this kind of African vibey tune that I wrote. And, you know, I didn't tell the bass player what I wanted him to play. I didn't tell the drummer what I wanted him to play because I know those guys are going to come up with something way better if I don't tell them what to play. Right. So, and we got some great stuff. Steve Mackey played some incredible bass lines on their work that I was just, oh man, this is perfect. And then, you know, it just, it works out that way if you, if you just kind of let it happen, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Though, like, like what we were talking about earlier, you know, hoping that the producer just wants you to fly. Right. Just get out of the way. Yeah, yeah. For sure. I mean, as soon as you, as soon as you start giving somebody too much direction, then they're going to overthink it. It puts them out of their comfort zone. Mm-hmm. They're going against their intuition, mm-hmm. and and you're gonna you're gonna take what they you're gonna take them giving you 120 percent of their creative potential to, and you're gonna d- diminish that down to about 30 percent. Mm-hmm. You know? mm-hmm. Do you ever work? You're, you're, you're telling them what to do. Yeah, for know? sure. Do you ever work with anybody? Like I used to work with a guy who used to you know I'd do a take and he'd look at me and go, "That was good. Um, you think you could do better?" You get, you get anybody like that? You know, like they just kind of like. You think you could do that better, or you think that's good enough? Yeah, I don't, I don't know if ever. I don't know if anybody's ever said, "Hey, do you think you could do that better?" Uh, that that lingo wouldn't fly up here, but <laughs> but I think people will say, "Hey, man, that was a great pass." Uh, but you know, can you give me one more? Or, or, or hey, that was a great pass, but but I think I think you got one or two more in you, uh-huh, you know, or something uh-huh. like that. Yeah, yeah. You know, I mean, when, when you start using words like better, that's going to put people on the spot. You know. Yeah, yeah. But, you know, uh, but, when that guy would do that with me, I would always be like, "Well, yeah, <laughs> I can." <laughs> or run or it again. If somebody, if it's some kind of like. 
self-proclaimed producer that really doesn't know what they're doing, you know, sometimes I'll step up and go, man, I don't know. I, I like that one. And I think that that one feels the best. And if I go in and try to do it again, it's just going to be a, it's going to be, you know, we're going to be, we're going to be diminishing here because mm-hmm. if I know something feels and sounds great, I can go give you five or six more passes. It's not necessarily going to be better. It's just going to be different. Mm-hmm. You know, because if you're going with your instincts, you're going to stick to what to kind of the plan that you're, that you're, that you're doing or the feel that you're doing. And, and it's just going to be different. I mean, if, if people start asking you to go in like, Oh man, play that a little bit more like so-and-so. It's like, no, because you know, you're, now you're telling me to do something different. And yeah, yeah. when you start, when, when people start going against their intuitions in the studio, you're not getting, you're not necessarily getting a better performance just because you you want to tell somebody to do what you want to do, or, or or you know what I mean. Like I've I've gone in a bunch of different directions. I'll play this less ball, or play to this, or play to that, and then they always end up coming back and using the thing that I did first. Mm-hmm. Because it's your intuition, it's it's your it's your gut feeling, it's your it's your it's like your first attempt at it, and that can usually the first take of, of a lot of stuff is the one you end up going back and using, you know. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, because it's Cause you're not thinking of you're not overthinking it. It's right. Like you start overthinking it, you take all the feel and spontaneity yeah. of music out of it. Yeah, it you takes know? the life that's out. That's a big thing. Yeah, it takes it, the life out of it. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. And you start chasing something that can take hours. Mm-hmm. You know. Yeah. When I think of, uh, uh, and I and I knew what he was trying to do. There was um, when uh, the Beatles did "Twist and Shout," and uh, uh-huh. they were recording John Lennon's vocal. Um, I think he did thirty-five passes of the vocal, something like that. Yeah. And it was, and later on they found out that the reason George Martin kept on forcing him to do it and. He was getting, and Lennon was getting more and more pissed as he, as he was doing it. He was looking for him to wear his voice down and get that gravelly, screechy thing, and also piss him off enough that the there'd be that angst in the. Uh, right. So it was really a psychological manipulation of the artist. Yeah, well, that, that, that's one way to do it. You know, I mean, you, you can get that effect by that, or you can just if you tell somebody to go in that direction chances are they're going to go there, you know? Yeah. I mean, these days, you know, you got, if you tell somebody to play with a, a little more aggression, they're going to do it. Yeah. Um, you know? When it comes to, when you're when you're doing either your stuff or, or you're doing a session for somebody else, um, when it comes to gear, is are you going with a with pretty much the same nucleus of stuff and then you kind of, sprinkles other stuff in or is it changed drastically all the time yeah it doesn't it doesn't change drastically all the time for sure uh i've got a trunk with about i don't know what 12 or so guitars in it and then i'll take other stuff on the side but i usually take it depends on what it depends on what i'm doing if i'm doing a, a record you know i'll take all my stuff i'll take a bunch of amps i'll take a couple vox little vox amps i'll take a couple fenders mm-hmm. you know i've got this bogner goldfinger that they just sent me that's really nice I used that on the whole last record actually I didn't play one Fender on the whole last record hmm. up to now I might in the I might on these next tracks or something I don't know but the tracks we cut you know the uh, the seven the seven electric songs we cut 
last week. I used the Bogner Goldfinger on everything and the 212 open back Bogner cabinet. Wow. And that's not like me. I would usually use a fender on everything and use the Bogner on maybe like one ten or something. But I just got the amp. I wasn't used to it, but I plugged it in and it sounded great. So I, I rocked with that for a while. But but the fenders are, are my go-to, especially for live playing and, um, and in the studio. But, um, you know, I'll take my a couple tellies I'll take a strat with a tremolo bar and then um, a 335 I'll take and a baritone and you know a couple tights goes for weird stuff I'll do that slide and stuff like that I'll take a Gretsch mm-hmm. um, what else a few other things probably in there but then uh, then I'll, on the acoustic side if people want that I'll take a mandolin an octave mandolin mm-hmm. a couple old Gibsons Collings OM uh, my resonator and a nylon string and some other stuff like that. But that's pretty much the, the core group is a bunch of guitars. Uh, or if somebody, if, if it's a small session and, and, and I know it's only going to be one or two songs, you know, I'll probably take like a Princeton reverb, my small pedal board, right. and then a few guitars, you know? Yeah. Those Princetons, man, they are so underestimated. It's such a, it's such a little demon oh, in a box. Oh, my God. Yeah, they're great in the studio. Yeah. Um, do you, what do you have a go-to guitar? That one that's kind of like your—that's the one you always reach for, or yeah, that 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 blue green Kelly that yeah. I've been playing for the past thirteen years. That that one is my go-to. But I had it refretted not too long ago, and it kind of changed the whole instrument. It kind of freaked me out a little bit, so I bought another one. I bought a parts guitar from this guy. It's got Ron Ellis pickups in it. Mm-hmm. A huge neck. But it's really lightweight. It, it feels really good, and, and it sounds. I think it sounds better than my other one. Yeah. Well, with the refret, uh, so, with, with the refret, I've I've always been told you just got to play the devil out of it, and uh, and get it back to where it needs to go. Really? Yeah. That's, that's what I keep hearing too. People yeah. keep telling me, you know, I've never had that guitar refretted. I've yeah. never needed to. The frets were so tall on when I got it that I've never really needed to refret it until mm-hmm. now. And so it did. It changed. I mean, it got stiffer. The nut changed. It got a little stiffer. So yeah, I, I, there, um, there's a guitar. I, I don't like. I don't like stiff feeling guitars. Oh, know? me a neither. Yeah, I want them yeah. slinky. I want them slinky as as, as all. Um, yeah, so, somebody said to me, you know, refretting a guitar is sort of like going from going to platforms to shoes from sneakers. Yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> I agree. Yeah. I mean, it, it kind of it kind of freaked me out a little bit because I thought, man, my guitar's ruined. Yeah, yeah, I can dig it. But yeah, they say just play it, play it, play it like crazy, and get, and it'll 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 get itself back in the groove. Yeah, that's what I need to do. Mm-hmm. You know. Um, I was watching some video of you. I don't know where. I mean, I watched so much video of you, but um, you turned me on to a pedal that literally changed my life sonically <laughs> you turned me awesome. on the nobles odr one yeah now you're talking about the original one the, not the reissue no right? the original one and i searched high and low for an original yeah. one and i paid through the nose for it but i gotta tell you i i was like this is what i've been waiting for my whole life this is the sound of holy cow this thing I know, it's a great pedal I, I, I couldn't tell no, I, everybody who comes on the show. I tell them, I go, hey, have you tried this? Out? Have you checked this out? <laughs> that's like everybody's favorite pedal in Nashville. Yeah, that's like uh, it's like the um, secret weapon over there, right? Yeah, 
Yeah, everybody loves it. Dirty little because, secret. Because it just sounds, it, it doesn't change your tone, really. It just adds, it just adds a little something to it, you know? And it's because it's a cheap pedal. Yeah. It's like it brings out the wood. Yeah, it's just a real nice feeling pedal. It, it doesn't, it doesn't hit, when you hit the pedal, when you turn the pedal on, it doesn't, uh, it doesn't add all this gain and right. noise and everything. It just adds a little nice overdrive, you yeah. know? Yeah. And I've got it to a yep. point now where I'm running. I run it through a clean boogie, and uh, and I'm running it all the time. And then, yeah. yeah, if I want if I want uh, a little something to send me over the top, I'll use like a you know a tube screen yeah. or something like that. But holy cow, right. I, I can't thank you. You don't you didn't know it, but I can't thank you enough for turning me on to that. Oh man, that's my favorite pedal. You know, I never turned that thing up past you know maybe like. Uh, 10 or 11 o'clock you mm-hmm. know at the most yeah. I never go past 12 o'clock on that pedal yeah it's so actually it's, it's, it's more like it's down around 8 or 9 you know yeah well it's it's about subtle subtlety it's just such yeah ugh, it's fantastic it's absolutely well, good thanks, man. Um, yeah well, well how, how much time we have left well, I want to talk about uh, Acme a little bit yeah hit me tell me all about it well uh Actually, I'm going to talk about two things real quick, just to promote a couple of things. But the um, the uh, Artist Works Online Lesson School is something that everybody needs to check out if they, if they can. Yeah, and that's just um, that's a a uh, amazing learning platform that this company developed out in California, and uh, it's it's a really great company with great guys running it and girls running it, and it's just it's just an amazing thing. So. They contacted me about doing this uh, country guitar school, so I went out there and filmed. I, I put together a curriculum that took me months. I, I developed over 200 lessons and um, went out to Napa Valley, California, and filmed in their state-of-the-art uh, facility out there. We filmed all these lessons. So there's over 200 lessons from beginner, intermediate, and advanced. And you go online and you have full access to all these lessons. You have full access to all the video exchanges, which I'll tell you about that in a second. But it's it's a really great deal. So, and it's great for the artist. It's great for the student. It, it's a really really well thought out um, uh, lesson plan. So, and guys like John Patitucci and and uh, Paul Gilbert and mm-hmm. Mike Marshall and Daryl Langer. There's a bunch of Brian Sutton does the Bluegrass School. There's a bunch of amazing players at this uh, that on the roster of this of this school. So I'm proud to be there. But also. Um, uh, the thing about it that makes it interesting is you can go online, you, you have full access to everything when you subscribe, and you can do like three weeks, three months, or a year subscription, and it's way cheaper than private lessons, and, and it's, it's basically like having a private teacher because you do these video exchanges where you watch you watch a couple lessons, and then when you get to a point where you need to send in a video or you want to send in a video, you can send me in a video, I'll get it in my queue, I'll look at it, I go next door to my workshop, and I respond to you with a video. So there's this whole video exchange learning thing that goes on. I've got uh, students all over the world that I'm doing video exchanges with, uh, guys in Korea, Israel, Scotland, England, Ireland, France, uh, South America, South Africa, Sweden, everywhere. It's awesome. Cool. So check that out if you can. That's a pretty cool thing. And then um, the, the other... 
projects that I've got going on here are my signature model rocket pedal, the, the Guthrie Trap Overdrive, the GTO we call it. Mm -hmm. And uh, that that's a great overdrive pedal, kind of loosely based on the Nobles, but with a little, couple little different uh, things in there. It's got a mid-range uh, control, which we call the warmth knob. And then there's a um, you know gain and volume and, uh, and uh, treble control. Uh, but it's a great sounding pedal. Check that out if you can. And then um, also... And that's by J Rocket Audio, Rocket Pedals. And they do the, like the Blue Note and the Archer and, and different things like that. Right. But uh, great pedal company. They're right here based here in, in Brentwood, uh, Tennessee now. And then, uh, so the other thing is the Acme show. If you're ever in Nashville on Wednesday from 8 to 10 p.m., I'm down at Acme. It's 101 Broadway. It's an amazing uh, um, venue that my, my friend Tom Morales owns that has a lot of... Uh, He's a restaurateur here in Nashville. He opened up this amazing spot. It's a, it's a four-story entertainment complex, but on the first floor, it's really cool. We do this show called Trapped Above Ground. So me and him are 50-50 partners on the show. We have a great house band that I play in, and I get different guests every week to do it. We've had everybody from Steve Cropper to John Oates to Ashley Monroe, Charlie Worsham, um, all the hit songwriters and stuff here in Nashville. But so... Um, uh, that being said, I also do a, a radio show to, to coincide with that. So from 6 to 7, I do Acme Radio Live, which is uh, uh, the Trapped Above Ground show on AcmeRadioLive.com. And that's every Wednesday from 6 to 7. I just talk about uh, Nashville culture, being a musician in Nashville. I always have great guests on there. And, um, you know, we just go down to Acme Radio, have a cold beer, and sit there and talk on the radio, you know? That's great. People, I, people yeah. I will put all the links to all of this and uh, all these different things to uh, in, in the yeah. show notes for this. So you'll all be able to and click I'll, right from there. And I'll email, if, if, if you give me your email address before we get off the air here, I'll... Uh, I'll make sure and email you all the proper links to all that stuff. Fantastic. Here. Great. Yeah. And, I'm, and uh, as we were talking, I went and I found some a really cool video of you uh, doing uh, demoing the uh, the signature OD. So that's pretty cool. Oh, killer. Yeah. It's oh, great. It's 24 minutes long, too. It's like, wow. Cool. Cool. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, we need to do another one that's a lot shorter. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll put that in the show notes, too, so folks can see that there. Yeah, thanks. And, you know, I, I, I really enjoy these people that I've been working with for a long time. I do work with uh, D'Addario Strings. Mm -hmm. I love working with them. Mm -hmm. I've used their strings since I was 13 years old when I saw the Martin Offler ad in Guitar Player Magazine. <laughs> and then, uh, you know, I just recently started working more exclusively with Collings Guitars, the acoustic guitar company. Yeah, here in Austin, and, Texas. Uh, yeah, in Austin, Texas, yeah. Steve McCrary, all those guys are great. Yeah. They're really, really great guys. And then uh, getting reacquainted with the guys at Fender and, and working with the guys at Box Amps. You know, they they are uh, great guys out there, too, in California. And just, you know, the companies that I work with, I really, really stand behind them because they're they're friends of mine and they're, they make great products and they take care of us. And they're just really, really great guys. So uh, Jayco straps are fantastic. I use those. And, and those guys are all helping me out with the Play the Music campaign and, and offering up some incentives for that, too. So... Don't forget to check that out and spread the word if you can. I'll send you a link on that too. Cool. We got about two. We got about two more weeks that we're running that. So there's a bunch of stuff going on up here, man. Nashville's a great and exciting place to live now. The growth in this town is just incredible, and and it's a fun place to live. There's a lot of young people here, and mm -hmm. and and they're motivated, and and 
and kicking ass. So it kind of inspires all of us. You know, it's, it's a pretty amazing place to live these days. Oh yeah, for sure. It's it's uh, not unlike Austin, but uh, right, but even crazier busy. And you all got good food too. Yeah, we got pretty good food here. It's getting a lot better. Yeah, uh, Austin definitely. Austin is definitely a, uh, an amazing place as well. I, mean, I always love visiting down there and getting to eat some real Mexican food. And, yeah. <laughs> and uh, drink some good tequila, and you know, <laughs> yeah, go see go see Dave Grissom. Yeah, and Red Volcar is a friend of mine. Oh down there, yeah, Red. Bill Kirchner now. Yeah, and Bill's here now. Yeah, matter of fact, I'm actually getting ready to have a conversation with Bill soon. So, yeah, uh, I just saw him recently over at Jenny's Little Longhorn. He just showed up and yeah. got on stage with uh, with uh, Adam Lopez, and that was uh, pretty crazy. That's so cool, man. Tell Bill I said hi when you talk to him. I certainly will. Absolutely. Yeah, very cool. Well, Guthrie, I I can't thank you enough for being on the show. You know, it's so funny. Here in the office, outside the studio here, I have... uh, I have a, a big poster board up on the wall, and then there is like thumbnail shots, pictures of all the different people that I want to have on the show. And you've been up there for three years, so oh man, I finally got you. <laughs> That's awesome. Well, hey man, I really appreciate the support, and you know what? I want to tell everybody that follows me on social media and all that stuff. I know I'm, I'm a shameless sub promoter on there, but. But, you know, uh, I really do appreciate all the comments and all the support and all the positivity and, and, and love for music that people have been um, sharing with me since I was a kid. So, man, I couldn't do it every day. You know, it's a struggle in a way. I mean, I love what I do, and and um, and I, I, I am truly one of the luckiest people in the world to be able to have friends and musicians to be able to work with like I do here in, in town and, and other places also. But you know what? Sometimes it can it can be you know promoting your own music and trying to get stuff out there and keep mm-hmm. the money rolling in and all that stuff. I mm-hmm. mean, I'm doing really great here, but it's also you know it, it can it can like you can work hard for a couple months and then you just go, man, this is the amount of work I'm putting in for what I'm getting back on some of this stuff is is just crazy. And mm-hmm. a lot of people wouldn't keep doing it, but you know I keep doing it because I get a lot of positive feedback mm-hmm. from people. You know, mm-hmm. so. I couldn't do it without the support from from everybody out there that's helping me. So I really appreciate that. Well, I'll tell you, I, I think what it is is that when people hear you play, when they when they hear you, they hear they hear your truth, and I think that's what's appealing. Well, thanks, man. I mean, you know that I I, I will always play music that I believe in, and I will never sell out to try to make money. So that's that's. You know, that's one thing I can stand behind, and, and I, I do love, I, I'm in this for the love of the music, that's for sure. Yeah. Well, man, thanks so much for being on the show. I greatly appreciate it. Absolutely, man. Thanks for having me. And, uh, and you know what? Uh, let, make sure we get those links, and I'll send you, or those uh, that email from me, and I'll send you those links. Okay, well, hold on one second, but we're going to sign off right here. Fantastic, man. Thanks. All right. All right, bye. Well, there you have it. Um... What a great, great guy and amazing guitar player. Um, folks, go to GuthrieTrap.com. That's his website. But please, go to that Pledge Music campaign. I, I can't wait to hear this record, man. It's going to be wild. And I can't wait to see all those um, special guests that he's going to have on there. I'm sure there's going to be some playing on there for sure, man. And some good songwriting, too. You can go to GuthrieTrap.com forward slash PM for the Pledge Music campaign. Like I said, there's only it's Monday today, so uh, there's only six days left on that. 
All right, so go ahead and grab a hold of that. Um, also, you know, he's got he does a bunch of stuff too. He's 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 a busy guy. He's got that uh, he's got that radio show, uh, and uh, it's Wednesdays from six to seven at um, AC Murado. No, what is it? AMCME Radio Live dot com. That's what it is. The link will be in these show notes. So go and check that out. And be sure to check out the Artist Works Online Lesson School and, of course, his signature overdrive pedal, which I will have a video of in the show notes as well, so you'll be able to see that. Um, so check that out as well. So for those of you who are listening on iTunes and Stitcher Radio, Podomatic, those of you listening in Germany, um, please go to uh, guitarradioshow.com for all of these other links that are going to lead you to uh, all things Guthrie Trap. All right. Meantime, we got to get out of here. Uh, but thanks for hanging out on a Monday. And we'll see you on Wednesday with the Paul Nelson band, Mr. Paul Nelson. We have a great conversation. And uh, he's got that new record. It's called Badass Generation. And it's such a killer record. It's so good. It's so big. I love it. Um, lots of playing on there for sure as well. But uh, we're going to get going. We'll see you soon. In the meantime, take care of yourselves. Take care of each other. Keep on playing. And please, please buy it. Don't steal it. And we'll see you on the next episode of Guitar Radio Show. Peace. Everybody say, you, Ed. I like this crowd already. GRS Productions. New episodes of Guitar Radio Show air every Wednesday on iTunes, Stitcher Radio, Podbay, Player FM, Podomatic, and of course on guitarradioshow.com.